Hello and uh, welcome to another exciting edition of Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism Podcast. I'm Andy Bannister from the Solar Centre, Public Christianity in Dundee, and joined as uh, as ever by my energetic and enthusiastic uh, co-host, Christy Bear, all the way from Oak Hill College in London. Christy, how are you doing today? All right, thank you, Andy. Thank you for calling me energetic, particularly after my little health kick in um, in January. I'm feeling a bit worse for wear, but, so I'm going to take that. I'm, I'm feeling fine. Thank you. How are you getting on? Doing absolutely, uh, doing spiffingly today, and uh, joined by, we've got, well, actually, listeners, we have, we have a special bonus for you today, because we don't have just one guest. We have two guests. We have a double act. We are joined... Uh, today uh, by by Mitch and by Amanda uh, from Crown Jesus Ministries in Belfast. I had the privilege of, of meeting them uh, kind of last year when doing some stuff over there. So uh, Mitch, Amanda, welcome to Pep Talk. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Privileged to be part of uh, your tag team. It's a bit of a wrestling thing here going on, isn't it? It's like <laughs> you two guys against us. We're gonna have some fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We could have. Well, we could. We could. We've got three nations here. We haven't got Wales, but we could do. We could have a kind of you know English, Scottish, Irish kind of face off. <laughs> but the the first question I have to ask, because we were chatting about this before we pressed the record button, guys, is that uh, I already only know you as Mitch and Amanda, especially Mitch, who's more public with the blog and so on. It is just Mitch. And there's this mysterious missing surname. So what is going on? Is it a very embarrassing surname? Have you got something so long and complicated nobody could spell it? Is it a deep, dark state secret? What is with the whole just bitch thing? No, it, it's it's really simple, actually. My mom and dad, uh, they, they called me Keith. So my name is Keith Mitchell. Um, and uh, no offense to any Keiths who are listening in. I was never a fan of the name Keith. I kind of thought... What was my mom and dad thinking about when they when they picked that name? But uh, well, actually, you know, it's a nice name. It means forest or whatever. But my dad's nickname was was Mitch, and my two older brothers got Mitch. Um, and so, because I wasn't really a big fan of Keith, uh, Mitch tended to stick with me. And I, I, you know, when I was younger. I wanted to be a, a footballer. I could never envisage anyone with a scarf with Keith written on it. You know, so <laughs> so um, so I thought Mitch probably sounds a bit better. And then it really took evolved into something bigger whenever social media started. So it's probably like 15, 16 years ago, very early on Facebook. Uh, my uh, my brother-in-law was in Australia, started to talk about this thing, uh, Facebook. I thought I'm going to jump on. So so I jumped on as Keith Mitchell and no one would accept my friend request because they didn't know who I was. So I thought, right, I have to change this to Mitch and then you have to put it in a second name. So I just thought, well, I'll put where I live, Belfast. So social media, it's all Mitch Belfast. And sometimes, you know, I go to speak in churches now and they go, let's welcome Mitch Belfast. And I'm like, yeah, just whatever. But it's just, it doesn't matter. I, uh, I love that. I think, Christy, you should rebrand yourself, you know, because you've got a kind of sort of short, you know, sort of sharp, unique name. Christy London. I mean, that is a name that is going to pack auditoriums out. What are you going to say? Christy Mitch. <laughs> Christy London. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's great to have you two with us. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, tell us, what are you up to? Like, what, what do you get up to on, like, a, a daily basis um, in Belfast? So we both work for an organisation called Crown Jesus Ministries. Mitch is one of the founding members. Um, the ministry's been running for 20, 21 years, coming up to our 22nd birthday. And um, I've 
been in the background for most of that time um since we were we've been together really um so as a ministry we, our, our passion our vision is to see the people of Ireland crown Jesus lord of our lives and so what we do is evangelism and um, we want to see people equipped in evangelism we want to inspire people to share their faiths and we do that by working in partnership with um local churches and other christian organizations across Ireland yeah so Amanda then came on to the staff um, a few months into the pandemic. So she worked 20 years in, in management and retail. Um, and we had a position that needed filled here in terms of uh, a COO of operations. Um, and someone just, because the staff has grown with 16 staff now, and, and I'm not a manager. You know, I can, I, I can just about manage my own world. In fact, that, that would be a deb- debatable point. Um, <laughs> so I really needed someone to come in and help manage operations, facilities, staff. And, and uh, Amanda came in. And, and so we're, we're a bit of a, a team, uh, but we're part of a broader team of, of uh, there's five on the senior leadership team in here, board of directors. And then we have an awesome team who are doing evangelism with children, youth, adults, special education. Uh, we've got uh, staff in the Republic of Ireland and in the North. So basically, as Amanda said, you know, we do evangelism. If there's a way of doing evangelism, we we either do it or we've given it a go. You know, that's mm. that we just think it like, Let's not be afraid to communicate the good news of Jesus in a in a real and relevant way, and and we've got to take some risks in that. But that's what part of church organisations do. So obviously, every um you know every context, every part of the UK, every part of the, the world is, is is different, has its unique challenges and opportunities. So for where you folks are ministering in in Northern Ireland, also as you say in the Republic, you know what are some of those kind of sort of cultural sort of specifics what are some of the things that maybe make perhaps evangelism easier and what are perhaps some of the things that may perhaps make it tougher that, that you have to kind of overcome when you're engaging with people yeah sure i mean look it, it's an interesting journey of where we've been as an island you know northern ireland is only 100 years old now so you know th- there's lots of stuff in terms of like uh, historically there's been a strong evangelical footprint in the north of ireland and and the republic of ireland has been seen more as a, as a catholic country uh, but so much has changed in that i mean we lived in a i, I caught the troubles bubble uh, where for like 40 years inside that sort of tension of the troubles in, in northern ireland we were kind of isolated from a lot of the kind of postmodern stuff that was crashing around the rest of europe because people's identity here was in you know pretty much you protestant or catholic now Let's remember that the, 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 the conflict or the war over here was not about religion. It was about nationality. But it just so happened that you know, the British people in the north tended to be Protestant by and large. And those who were more uh, of a Republican agenda were from a Catholic tradition. So that caused a lot of uh, tension. But it kept us from this kind of postmodern thing, if I can call it that. And then from the Good Friday Agreement, then really what's happened is you've had this whole tsunami of a different way of thinking of young people here checking out from church and saying i don't need my identity to be wrapped up anymore on what side of the fence uh, i belong to because that that is gone uh, and at the same time you've also has the republic of ireland which is much more multicultural now and has a huge influx of immigration and it, for most people down there now the reality is they would not see it anymore as a, as a Catholic church. I mean, I remember some of my studies a few years ago were the, the Catholic church in, in the north of, in the Republic of Ireland were in the early 1980s, 96% of people attended mass regularly. And that's now down to 16% 
Now that's a huge change in like 30 mm-hmm. years, huge. So we're, we're, we're in the middle of that, but we see it as a tremendous time for opportunity. I, I think we have to bear in mind also like just this, the strategy of where we missed things in the past. So if you had Northern Ireland, you know, you've been over here before. Some would say, and there's some evidence to back it up that, you know, we have more churches per square foot than arguably anywhere else in the world. I mean, every street corner, East Belfast alone, last kind had 56 churches just in like inner East Belfast. There's a church everywhere. Uh, by the same token, the Republic of Ireland is the most unevangelized English speaking nation in the world. It's only 2% evangelical. So whatever you want to talk about the troubles in Northern Ireland and the reason behind it, you got to say there's just been a spiritual forces at work there. Uh, But we see now as a time of opportunity. Um, It's not a time for us to be fearful. It's a time for opportunity to build bridges, to be courageous, have those conversations with people from all backgrounds and all cultures, those of, 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 rich uh, Catholic faith and those of no faith. And uh, I see it as a days of opportunity. And because you guys in the world of apologetics have been working through this stuff ahead of the curve a little bit more than, more than us, that's a win because we just learn from your mistakes, which is great, you know, uh, and pick, pick the best bits, you know. So when you go to write a book about engaging with that, the Muslim country, we haven't been thinking about that. So we just pick the best bits. It's just a total win for us. We just picked the best bits. You've had to navigate that for the last 15, 20 years. We've only had to deal with it for two or three. And, and believe us, we make lots of mistakes. So thank you so much for speak for, your, speak for yourself, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> no, when, when Mitch said the best bits of my book, I thought, well, that's a page and a half. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, Honestly, it, it, for anybody listening, it is absolutely oh. brilliant. It is brilliant. I mean, the checks in the post. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Could you both just tell us? You, you mentioned, and thank you so much for that that wonderful um, overview and an entry into the context of Northern Ireland. You mentioned um, earlier on before we um, before we started recording that it's actually quite spiritual at the moment. The Northern Irish kind of um, context. There just seems to be this kind of. I mean, maybe you wouldn't go as far as saying spiritual awakening, but there's a spiritual awareness. Um, how do you go about connecting with that in your in your ministries, and what does that what does that look like? Uh, it's that's a really good question. It's you know one of the things about Northern Ireland, as Mitch has sort of talked about, is that that we've always connected to religion at some level um and i think because of that there it either create it's either created this this space where people are have a are able to embrace spirituality at some level, especially those from Roman Catholic backgrounds, or have completely switched off from it and said, I want nothing to do with it. Um, but, but for us, we have just found that there is this openness um, to the things which are spiritual. But but the challenge that comes with that is the influx of very much lots of new age and, and other types of spirituality that seems to be out there. Um, and so I suppose we're trying to communicate the truth, which is Jesus Christ, into that context and we do that in such a variety of ways um one of the things that um that we found that we've that we that we've noticed recently Mitch you were reading a book um that that grasped your attention on on the whole spiritual thing and it's just there's just such a challenge around that at the minute totally 
you know, going back to the point about spirituality, I think right across the world, there's still a spiritual people out there. And, and it's how you connect with that. So I was in Waterstones bookshop just before Christmas. And I go up to the top of the, the, uh, the, the stairs. And I always, Christmas, buy myself a present first, you know, buy myself a book, go into the coffee shop, have a read. And there's a, there's a shelf and, and there's books on uh, witchcraft and moon worship and all Luna, all this kind of stuff. I'm fascinated. So I watched the the coffee shop, which is in Waterstones, and seeing people lifting a particular book called uh, Luna, I thought, right, so I can do one of two things here. I can like put a blog up how terrible this is, or I can pick the book up and I can read it and go, right, what is it about this stuff? What is it that, that people are attracted to? So I bought the book and uh, and I read it and, and you, you start to, so now you, your options are, right, do you come out hostile against this? Or, or you go, okay, so she's talking about tarot card reading, she's talking about you know, charging your crystals under the moon. And, and she's talked about 11 different uh, gods that are associated to the moon and how we can like make a, a sacrifice thing to them and pray to them and stuff. So I can be very anti that or I can listen and learn and go, how can I gauge with those kinds of people? Now, and I, wh- where, is this topical or is it not? And then all of a sudden yesterday, you had uh, Holly Willoughby has launched this whole new branding thing, which is about wild moon. And it's based around the, the eight phases of the moon. So you go, right, there's a connection. So how, how do I connect with these people now? I go, so in the book, you get a gist of they're not anti religion. They're just open to all kinds mm-hmm. of religion. So is there some way that people who are like, soft language moon worshipping that I can introduce. Hey, I actually know the God who came up with that idea of a moon. Uh, and let me talk to you about him. And if you equally as you can pull a tarot card out and read something, can I just give you like a copy of John's gospel? And, and you might just be able to like pull something out of there that, that could really help your day as well. Yeah. And we find in particular, like you start to see this on the streets. We do a street evangelism every Monday um, on the streets of Belfast. And we have a team here out there. And, and one of the things that we find is where people don't want to talk about religion. But when you talk about prayer and you talk about connecting mm-hmm. to a higher being people start to pay attention and, and we find you know like those conversations around prayer and can we pray for you and then when people have given permission for us to pray with them like when the holy spirit comes in those moments something changes and something shifts and it opens up conversations um that that you just wouldn't get whenever exactly. you're you're just you're just chatting to your friends and we've seen so many people come to faith through that so there's definitely um and i think over the pandemic as well you know we've we've noticed that people are starting to ask questions you know what's life all about you know what what is the meaning of all this where are we going in this um and in particular young men we've seen so many young men come to faith and exactly. engaging in conversations around that that we would um we'd never have seen before in, so there's in the height of the pandemic from mm. from uh, october to december 2020. we've seen almost 100 people come to faith on the street and the vast majority of them were young men between the ages of 16 and 32 fascinating mm-hmm. i think you're um I think you're right. I think, we, I mean, similar to how you're finding, I find if you if you lead with things like the sort of, you know, the spirituality question rather than directly the Christianity one, and then you obviously want to get to Jesus and the gospel, but actually mm-hmm. there's a lot more openness out there right now. One thing um, you mentioned a couple of times in, in passing, I'd love to get your kind of insight on is obviously you're in a, you're in a context you mentioned in the beginning where you've got, um, you know, obviously the traditionally, you know, large Protestant community, also large Catholic community. And I often talk to friends who have, you know, Catholic friends or family or neighbors who really want to 
find ways of having conversations about Christ with them, but are so wary about how you approach those, you know, coming, knocking on your next door neighbor's door and going, oh, you're a Catholic, so you're not a Christian then. It's not a good opening, <laughs> not a good opening gambit. Um, you want to win people, draw them in, but also you want to, you know, help people sort of discover, you know, a saving relationship with Christ. So when you're engaging with folks who've got a Catholic background, um, Amanda or Mitch, don't mind whichever one of you leaders, yeah. how do you, yeah. how do you go, how do you lead into those conversations boldly, but also graciously in a way that's Yeah. I, well, again, it's about finding commonality and common language and sometimes making some changes to your language. So that evangelism on the street we just asked people the question excuse me sir do you believe in prayer excuse me madam do you believe in prayer it's a yes or a no so for most catholic folk was the yes and then it's like is there anything you'd like me to pray for and they're very good at that they're very good at like opening up to that and sharing heart stuff maybe they're uh, they've been at mass or they've lit a candle that week whatever so you show love and empathy and you listen to whatever that situation is and then you say to them can i pray for you right now uh, and Again, like people from a strong Catholic tradition, to turn that down is like bad luck. It's like walking under a ladder, say a black cat or something. So they're not going to turn down the opportunity for prayer. So you get that chance right there and then to say like, you'll come Holy Spirit, you know, quietly just allow the Holy Spirit to come. And then you pray into that situation. The mom's sick, whatever it is, and you, you mention her by name and you show love and you show empathy and you show compassion. And then it's like how you build a bridge after that. So it, again, it's language. So evangelization connects better with them than evangelism. And you might say, well, what they mean by evangelization could be different because they're just trying to like evangelization for them is to get people into the church, whereas we're trying to get people to Jesus. And I'm like, really? I know some Protestants and I, I think their agenda is slightly <laughs> warped on that idea as well. Um, but the beautiful thing is like, for, for the Catholic folk, is the idea of actually being a, a Christian and not being part of a church is ridiculous. They, they can't differentiate between the two. And I go, hey, good point. So that's what we need to do. We need to be like connecting people uh, to Jesus. But as William Abraham used to say all the time, is initiating people into the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So it's changing our language so that we can, we can walk that gravel path together. Look, look. Bottom line, there's some things in the Catholic theology I have big issues about. But but can Jesus work in people's lives through all of that? Absolutely, 100%. You know, I remember being in a Catholic church and there was a statue up of, uh, I think it was like St. Francis of Assisi's mother or whatever. Uh, uh, and there was some candles being burned and a little prayer um, underneath it. And, and I read the prayer and it was really nice. It was just basically like, you know, Pray for my children who, who are wayward, just like you prayed for your children, but something like that. And I watched a little old lady. I sat in that Catholic church. I watched a little old lady come in, and um, she lit a candle. She kneeled down and prayed, and the tears were running down her face. And I thought to myself, when she's praying to that saint, is God sticking his fingers in his ears and saying, I'm not listening to that? Of course not. You know, we we know not how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit helps us in our in our weakness. Uh, she was using whatever she's been taught, and in that moment, she was broken for her kids. Who knows heroin addicts, whatever they might be. And in that moment, I think God can speak through that. So God can use an awful lot of means to to connect with Himself. A good friend of mine, uh, Father Jonathan Cotton, based in Nottingham, he wrote a book a few years ago called Evangelizing the Baptized. 
And uh, we took that book and, and reworked it into a course um, and add, added some animations, videos, some reflection times into it. He's actually using some of our stuff now in, uh, in Nottingham. And we have ran that course in two Catholic churches over here, been very well received in terms of what does it mean to, for all of us to be uh, active in the new evangelization? So it might be a long answer, Andy, but hopefully I'd help some folk. Oh, that's really beautiful. Thank you so much. And, and talking about being active together in evangelism, obviously the two of you are a married couple and it's not very often that we have the pleasure of having um, couples. In fact, you are the first couple, I think, on, on Pep Talk, so congratulations. But <laughs> Thanks. Could you please share with us, like, how are you finding evangelism together as a couple? What does that look like? Yeah, um, it's it's it's... It's, it's something that we've both that we've like since we've been dating and going out for many 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 years like our faith has been central to who we are as as a couple um I mean I would call Mitch more of an evangelist than what I am but I certainly have a passion and a heart for seeing people come into the kingdom of God and so I feel like you know God has worked in us and through us individually and as a couple for many many years and so working together in the same ministry now feels like a natural progression of where we have been going. Um, I mean, it has its challenges. We have to put clear boundaries in place. We have to be able to know when to not have the work conversations whenever it's maybe 10 o'clock at night. Um, We have really clearly defined roles in terms of what we do and what we're responsible for. And um, yeah, we've just, we've managed to get a really good balance, but being able to do ministry with someone who you're so close to and who knows you so well allows you to be vulnerable and allows you to be able to pray for one another in a way that other people can't and support one another in ways that other people can't and I think that's the blessing of being able to do ministry together even though there's, there's the challenges that go alongside that and we have two children um, Noah and Megan who are 16 and 13 and who both are, are, are Christian young people and even just trying to encourage them in their faith and lead by example in what we do in ministry as well as um, in parenting and all of that's really important to us. So we try to do that as a, as a, as a team yep. uh, as much as anything. Absolutely. Well, it's been, um, it's been great talking to, uh, to the both of you about all that you're doing in Northern Ireland and, and ministry together. Gosh, we could have done another 20 minutes kind of kind of really easily we'll put a link for folks who want to find out more about what mitch and amanda what you guys are doing we'll put a link in the show notes to crown jesus ministries where you can just dive in and find everything they're they're up to uh but it's been a huge privilege you know sort of uh sort of doing some things with you in the past hope we'll have an opportunity to, to work together in the future and uh hope also what you've shared is, is encourage people listening i love the kind of i love that the whole prayer on the streets thing that you're doing as a, as a way into evangelism i think is just utterly brilliant seeing how the lord is is working through you so thanks for taking the time to join christian and i you. today thank you and uh christian and i will be back in a in two weeks time with next time i'm afraid we only have a single guest the double act we've had for you today is a is a rare occurrence so it's been such fun we'll have to do it again but uh, meanwhile wherever you're listening uh to this uh this podcast whether you're at home at the gym recovering from the gym Uh, We hope that uh, this has been helpful and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye for now.